It's confusing enough for a college student to understand that they have an opportunity to vote either at their college campus or at their home address. And now with the shift of COVID impacting whether campuses are virtual right now, they're doing a hybrid model, or if they are fully online, for students to know that they still have the opportunity to vote at that college campus, whether it is virtual or in person right now, and for college administrators to be able to support that change as needed. I'm Andrew Seligson. Welcome to the Compact Nation podcast. Thanks for being with us. You are listening to a special Between the Seasons edition of the Compact Nation podcast. We wrapped up the 2019-20 season earlier in the summer, and we will be back with a new season beginning next month. But right now, because it is the fall election season, we wanted to bring you an episode focused on how colleges and universities can be engaged in nonpartisan efforts to support student participation in the elections. And so I will get into that in a moment. I've got two great guests from the All In Campus Democracy Challenge uh, to help me talk about that work and where we where things stand with student voting and, and how everybody on campuses can be involved. I want to start, though, with a few announcements. The first one uh, is that our Impact Awards, the Campus Compact Impact Awards, are currently open to nominate faculty members, community engagement professionals, and institutions who are doing great work in the areas of civic and community engagement. You can go to compact.org for all of the information. The deadline is September 30th. You know, we know this has been an extraordinarily difficult time for people to just continue the work they've been doing, certainly to launch new efforts. And it seems especially important right now to celebrate those who have been doing great work over time in the classroom, in the community, in building programs, in developing campus-wide strategies to support positive change. So if you are such a person, if you know such a person, if you work at such an institution or you know of one, you can nominate yourself, you can nominate a colleague, you can nominate an institution, compact.org, you can find all of the information. And we really want to uh, take the opportunity to celebrate people. Uh, again, we, we need some positive things to focus on right now. So the Impact Awards are one opportunity for that. Uh, I also wanted to call your attention to an upcoming event. So on October 1, 2020, 3 to 5 Eastern Time, uh, we are hosting a webinar on facilitating online deliberative dialogue. So this is part of a partnership between Campus Compact and Up To Us focused on building student capacity for thoughtful, informed, deliberative dialogue. And this webinar is for faculty and staff who want to be able to facilitate dialogues of that kind on their campuses and in their communities. So again, you can go to compact.org to find all the information. This will be facilitated by Executive Director of North Carolina Campus Compact, Leslie Garvin, who ha has tremendous expertise in this area and is also just a great facilitator, trainer, leader in our work. So uh, I can pretty much guarantee it's going to be great. You're going to learn a lot and you're going to be in a position to help bring 
a, an effective, proven kind of framework and method for facilitating deliberative dialogues to your campus. So I really encourage you uh, to participate. I'd also like to tell you about uh, a new book that Campus Compact has just brought into the world. It's called Community Colleges for Democracy, Aligning Civic and Community Engagement with Institutional Priorities. And uh, the, the, the book is free. It's available through our website. The purpose of the book really is to help those leading civic and community engagement work on campuses think about how doing that work also advances the institutional priorities that have driven community college policy over the last several years, focused on completion, focused on inclusion, focused on ensuring that all students have full and equal access to education. And, you know, we've got the strong view at Campus Compact that education for democracy is a crucial element of that kind of inclusive education for full participation. So the book is edited by Virtus Robinson and Clayton Hurd. And again, you can find it uh, and it's available free of charge through our website. So I really go encourage you to go and find that. Uh, and I also wanted to let you know about an effort that Campus Compact has been engaged in, and we could use your continuing help in this area. And it's connected to this larger focus on voting. So let me kind of give you a little background on how we look at voting and why we engage in the things uh, we do in that space. You know, from my perspective, when I think about voting, I start with a basic view about human beings, that if you take the view that all human beings are of equal worth, equal value, equal dignity, that that's inherently true about people. And you may have your own specific views and different traditions have different views about where that comes from. But if that's a view that you share, then it, it stands to reason that everyone should have the equal opportunity to shape the communities therein. That if no one is of greater value or dignity or worth than anyone else, nobody should be ruling over anybody else without their consent. And as a consequence, everyone's voice should be equally counted in directing the future of the communities that they are a part of, both local and national. And the basic way we ensure that that happens, at least at a minimal level in the United States, is by guaranteeing everyone the right to vote, to choose those who will actually carry out the will of the public. And so if we don't have that, if we don't have elections in which everyone has the opportunity and a realistic pathway to participate, then we are simply not living up to our very basic values and our commitment to the equal value of all human beings. And so there's two parts of that. One is ensuring that the systems and the processes are up and running and that everyone really has a place to vote, an opportunity to vote without massively disrupting their lives. And the second part is ensuring that everybody knows how they can can access that opportunity, has the information they need, and especially that new participants in the system, those who are aging into it, are welcomed and introduced into what it means to be a voter, how to access the information you need to vote thoughtfully, and also just to literally participate. And all of this, as we know, is especially complicated this year because everything is in flux. So we'll talk about this in just a few moments. 
but we have both flux in how voting is going to happen this year. We also have flux for students in where they're living and what they will be doing on a day-to-day basis. And all of this adds deep complexity to an already complicated and confusing process, given that every state and county does things its own way in the United States. So we at Campus Compact are seeking to help address one specific piece of this challenge, which is the national shortage of poll workers. As many of you probably know, most people who support the polling places on Election Day and other uh, processes connected to counting ballots are older people. So it just turns out that the people who have time and have made the choice to participate in this process are mostly older. And it also turns out, as we know, that this year, older people are at special risk for being in public places, particularly being trafficked by lots of people who are standing near each other and talking. So polling places are not a great location for those at higher risk for COVID symptoms. Older people tend to fall into that category. And as a consequence, we have a huge shortage nationally of poll workers. And we basically need to sign up as many people as we can to fill these roles. Like we will not fill this gap entirely. It's just too big. So anybody we motivate to get out there and sign up to be a poll worker, people who are at lower risk and especially younger people, uh, we are helping to contribute to the solution. We are also contributing to a world in which the rising generation continues to take increasing responsibility for directing and supporting and facilitating our political processes. And they've been doing that. They're voting at higher numbers. They're protesting at higher numbers. They're getting engaged in other ways. This is a logical next step that we can help them take. So what I will ask you to do is share with anybody who fits this description, lower risk for COVID, especially younger people, a URL, powerthepolls.org slash campus, powerthepolls, P-O-W-E-R-T-H-E-P-O-L-L-S.org slash campus. We'll also put that in the show notes for this episode. And people can go there. They can sign up to be a poll worker, and then they'll be contacted by a local elections official. If you want to know more about the specific rules governing polling places and poll workers where you are, you can go to a website called workelections.com, workelections.com, and you can enter an address, a zip code, and learn what the rules are, the procedures, etc. One thing you can also learn is whether, as in most cases, uh, people are paid where you are. Uh, so in most cases, poll workers are paid for their time. It's an excellent opportunity for students who may be finding it difficult in the moment to find employment. This is a way for them to put at least a little money in their pockets. And so I really encourage you to help students find this opportunity to contribute to their democracy, possibly to make a little money, depending on where they live. Powerthepolls.org slash campus. In that spirit, uh, I'd like to move forward toward the interview uh, that is at the heart of today's show. Uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with Jen Domigal Goldman and Stephanie King. Jen is the executive director of the All In Campus Democracy Challenge, and Stephanie King is the director of strategic initiatives for the All In Challenge. And we had a conversation about where student voting looked like it was headed before the pandemic arrived, what the pandemic has meant for the voting space this year, 
and how colleges and universities with the support of All in Challenge and other organizations can take action now to ensure that all of their students have a full and equal opportunity to participate in this fall's elections. And I would also say a lot of things that you'll learn from Jen and Stephanie are quite relevant to just helping everyone in your community have access to the ballot. So it's useful for you to be a source of information to students. Uh, maybe you are a student and you can help other students vote, but you can also be a source of information to family, to friends, to others in your community as people seek to navigate the complex territory of actively participating in our democracy given the public health crisis that is still enveloping our country. So I will now turn to my conversation with Jen and Stephanie. Jen Domigle-Goldman and Stephanie King, welcome to the Compact Nation podcast. Thanks for having us, Andrew. It is my Thank pleasure. We're excited to be here. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's exciting to have you here in part because it means that we are getting very close to a presidential election, which is an exciting thing in a democracy. And it's a presidential election that comes at a moment of uh, a lot of complexity in all kinds of ways in our country. And we'll work our way into that. But to, to begin that process, I wonder if you could kind of paint a picture for us, Jen, of what did the movement for student voter participation look like in, say, January of 2020? What, what had been accomplished? Where were we? How were things looking? And, and what, what did you think that the months ahead were going to look like? That's a great question, Andrew. And um, I'll just preface that by saying, you know, I think probably most of your listeners know um, that the All in Campus Democracy Challenge is a nonpartisan effort um, working with close to 700 um, colleges and universities across the country now um, to um, advance what we call democratic engagement. So civic learning, political engagement, and voter participation. We obviously right now this year are particularly focused on um, the voter participation aspect. So everything from registering and educating um, voters that are college students to engaging them in the electoral process. Um, and, you know, January 2020 was a time of a lot of excitement. Um, we had a growing number of campuses. We were asking campuses to submit um, campus democratic engagement action plans. So to really start to parse out um, how they were going to help um, increase student voter registration and turnout numbers in this um, presidential election year. When we started um, in 2016, before that presidential election, you know, we were kind of for the first time in a space where a lot of colleges and universities had their campus voting data through the NSEL report or the National Study on Learning, Voting, and Engagement, which comes from our friends kind of up and down the street from, from you and Stephanie um, and, you know, outside Boston at um, Tisch College at Tufts University. Um, and so we knew that um, unlike the data we had for college graduates that said that college graduates vote at higher rates than non-college graduates, um, you know, and had made it an assumption for a long time that college students were voting at similarly high rates. We had data for the first time telling us that that just really wasn't true and, and helping us really understand that while young people, many first-time voters, and college students more broadly, who of course are not all young people, um, 
you know, face an, on a, a particular set of stumbling blocks towards casting ballots. Um, and those, you know, range from being first-time voters and not understanding the process to the complexities of a student who might go away to a residential college has the right to vote, you know, on or around campus or at a permanent home address. Um, and so we had data for the first time and we had come off of um, a 2018 midterm election in which we saw um, voter turnout rates more than double um, from the last midterm. And so we were ready for a year of really unprecedented numbers of, of young people and college students in particular voting. Um, and we were feeling pretty good about ourselves and really excited to launch a set of partnerships with folks like you all at Campus Compact, um, doing a lot of work, uh, traveling to an unprecedented number of student voting summits um, led by us and other partners across the Students Learn Students Vote Coalition. There were summits um, being organized for students and others at colleges and universities in states all across the country. Um, you know, we're really excited. And then things started to change a little bit. But I think, um, you know, I think what we were seeing was people wanting to be engaged, people realizing that um, colleges and universities have a responsibility, both legal and moral, to do this work. Um, and, and an increased kind of interest in um, being part of this and thinking about how we do it in, in systematic and systemic ways. Um, and so we were, we were really um, coming into it really excited. Um, and then I should say too, that um, at the very end of January and beginning of February is when um, we added Stephanie to the team. Um, and so it was, it was a really, it was a really exciting time. You know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned the, the uptick in 2018 as compared with the 2014 midterms. And I would say, you know, the, the opportunity to kind of see a real substantive change in the sort of social sector. Like it's, it's it, not something that happens every day for those of us who work to make change. And it was something where you could see with all in kind of coming into uh, existence and the students learn students vote coalition and uh, a really, as you said, the NSOL study to give us the data and allow people to work toward a goal. It, I felt like we were seeing in real time, this extraordinary change uh, and as you said that, I mean, I think you painted a really good picture of all the reasons we were all optimistic about this coming year. And so, uh, and then we know that things changed uh, in February, March, and, and I don't know, maybe change has ceased, but we're in some strange, uh, unending, ceaseless time. Stephanie, what, what looks different about student voting and about what kind of colleges and universities and students themselves are facing given the pandemic and all that has happened in the last six months? Yep. Thanks, Andrew, for that question. And Jen, for sharing a little bit about where we were as we started the 2020 year. I think many college campuses, as we started to share, have continued to adapt their campus cultures to really be inclusive of voting and it not just be, oh, there's a presidential election, now we got to do something, or oh, now there's a general election, we got to do something. So we were really on the cusp of shifting that campus culture to be intuitive enough to say a civic identity is a part of that wheel of who we want our students to be. Like we want them to be scholars, we want them to be community agents, we want them to be holistically developed in terms of spirituality, finances, et cetera. And civics was at the top of that. As we entered into where we are today in 2020 and all the things that changed, I don't think anyone could have planned for the asteroid that was going to hit the earth, right? Like the dinosaurs are moving quickly and we're trying to figure it out. And part of that is that campuses weren't prepared and we continue to prepare of what does it mean to continuously plan as college students navigate the electoral process? 
it's confusing enough for a college student to understand that they have an opportunity to vote either at their college campus or at their home address. And now with the shift of COVID impacting whether campuses are virtual right now, they're doing a hybrid model, or if they are fully online, for students to know that they still have the opportunity to vote at that college campus, whether it is virtual or in person right now, and for college administrators to be able to support that change as needed. Additionally, there's a, been a continued conversation around the vote by mail processes. Some states like Massachusetts have made it easy. They've sent out an application to every resident of the state of Massachusetts to say, do you want to vote by mail? And if so, fill out this postcard, send it back, make sure you're verifying your address and your voter registration, but then you're set to go. Other states, it's not that easy. Some are still continuing to abide by the, the common or formative rhetoric of needing an excuse to vote absentee. Others like New York have allowed for COVID to be an excuse to not vote in person, but colleges still have to navigate that on top of thinking and prioritizing the health and well-being of their campus communities. So I think there's a lot that's shifted. I think there's also the, the natural fear that comes with change. And for folks to be able to say as a human, here's how I'm doing. And here's also something I care about and I'm thinking about. How are my politicians caring and thinking about that? And that's just something that we weren't fully enough to prepare for. Um, my, my son Madden wholeheartedly agrees with me right now that like folks are preparing for what that means. You can hear some cooing in the background here. But we're also preparing college students as first years to understand that while it might be complicated now, as soon as we can get you into the process and into the flow of it, like that midterm election becomes so much easier, hopefully, um, as we reach 2022. And if you're in states like Virginia and have an off-year gubernatorial election, like it becomes easier in 2021 for us to continue these conversations. So while a lot has changed, yes, and a lot's going to change if I had a looking glass or a magic eight ball that could predict the future, more is going to change. We still are preparing college campuses to think of all the contingencies to ensure that their students are able to vote. Andrew, you know, I think Stephanie did a great job of talking about a lot of what's changing in kind of the voting world. I think, um, you know, as she's attending to um, Madden and, and trying to juggle all of the things that we're all juggling in this changing world and thinking about our um, roles and how our kind of public and private lives have um, come together in <laughs> unique ways. Um, you know, the other piece I think that has changed since um, we started in, you know, January, and we're really excited about this election year and, and this academic um, flow of time, um, both the spring semester and the summer and now this fall. Um, I think the other thing that we can't leave off is, is just now the kind of what I'm calling the righteous racial unrest that we're experiencing in this, in this country, right? Um, it's not new, but it, it's certainly, there's a resurgence in attention being paid to it. Um, and the way that that dovetails um, into this particularly um, partisan uh, presidential election and the way that things are being talked about on a national um, stage, on a couple of different national stages over the last couple of weeks, um, I think also can be left out of this. And I think, you know, what's been interesting as we think about that, um, you know, campuses are struggling with a lot of things, right? So they're struggling with the issues that um, Stephanie raised in terms of, you know, are they in person or not? They're struggling, um, you know, with how to keep their campuses and their faculty and staff and students um, healthy, both um, physically and, and mentally, um, but also with the economics of it. Um, this has had drastic economic impacts on campuses. Um, you know, what, what that means is we've seen furloughs and layoffs of some of the staff that deal with some of the work that we do. Um, we also see 
um, students and, and faculty, staff, and universities grappling with, you know, the legacy of what continues to be a uh, democracy that has a huge part of its backbone based in white supremacy um, and, and not dealing with issues of inequities and not um, paying attention to some of these things. And so I think what's interesting is a lot of the data that we're starting to see come out of recent polls and other things is that students are, the great news is students are even more motivated um, to vote. Our higher numbers of them, particularly of college students are saying um, they intend to vote. Um, that's really exciting. And yet, exactly what Stephanie said about the fact that the election system is changing just as quickly as campuses are trying to figure out how to be open or in-person or in-person, but online classes and, and keep folks safe. Um, our local and state elections officials are doing similar things and are also facing um, deficits in funding for what they need to do. And so it's coming together in, in, you know, in what could be a perfect storm that makes me really concerned about how we ensure that students who very much intend to vote in higher numbers than what we've seen previously are actually able to execute that. Um, and, and I will just say, you know, my biggest worry about that is, um, is campuses that are going to stay open right now and then might unfortunately need to shut down in like mid-October. Um, and after we've, you know, hit too many deadlines in terms of requesting absentee ballots in time or um, changing re voter registration if they needed to. Um, and so, you know, I do think campuses are still paying attention to this work amidst everything, but there's a lot more noise out there and a lot more things that um, have needed to change. And so a lot of the systems in those action plans that we talked, you know, I talked about at the beginning um, are totally different. They didn't do in-person orientation. So a lot of the advice we had about how to talk about voter registration as part of that process kind of went out the window, right? They've had to do a whole lot of retooling in terms of stuff, you know, that has been happening. Um, and so it's changed a lot of things. And so what we have seen then is, um, you know, campuses submitting um, new and updated action plans that take into account kind of the new, very heavily um, digital um, way of being right now in higher education and, and more broadly. Um, you know, but more changes continue to come, I would say. It's interesting. I mean, I think you, you both called attention to things that are changing and, and that would make it challenging, even if everybody were well-meaning and seeking to maximize student engagement. And then other things that, you know, trigger some of the challenges connected to histories of voter suppression against students. And I think there's a real concern given some of the things that is happening that are happening in American cities right now, uh, or towns and cities across the country of kind of renewed voter intimidation efforts. And uh, those aren't only about students, but they may affect many students depending on where they are and whatever. So uh, yeah, I think a mix of uh, both what is beyond our control, but also what is in the control of people who are actively making it more difficult for students and also people of color to, to access the right to vote. In that context, Jen, what, what are some of the kind of central things that All In is seeking to do to, to maximize voter participation among students? And that includes kind of what's, what's your view about how to drive that, the big picture? Like what, what would have been, if, if I'd asked you the question a year ago, but also what are the special ways that you're kind of focused on making that real, given the challenges we've talked about? Sure. So I think, you know, part of, you know, I think Stephanie did a great job of alluding to it earlier. Um, part of our kind of theory of change is to provide um, 
structure, support, and recognition for our college and university campuses as they really set about to um, deepen cultures around civic learning and engagement um, year in and year out, day in and day out for all students. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, we've seen some great success in that. We got some evaluation data um, uh, back this spring externally um, that both shows that campuses that are participating in all in are outperforming um, in terms of voter turnout, their peers um, in, ter in terms of voter registration. So if their 2018 increases um, were larger for campuses kind of going through the whole process. Um, a survey of our um, campuses also said that they found the structure of doing the action plans of engaging in different ways to be really helpful. Um, and that um, creating the action plan and doing other pieces like that um, was like a piece of figuring that out. Um, you know, and I think what we have found is, you know, we know a lot about um, the fact that, you know, students listen to their peers and those kinds of things. But what we were finding too often was campuses were basically saying, well, students do that. And then the students are only able to reach so many students and we're recreating a wheel each time. And so what we've tried to do is, you know, create systems um, in which campuses are able to reach students and amplify those voices of, of other students and their peers. And, and so we really kind of looked at this work as like needing to engage both the grassroots, kind of the students and some of the faculty and staff really interested in this and the grass tops. Um, and so have really over time um, started to have kind of deepen work with different pockets of folks on campuses. And so one of the things when we brought Stephanie on to the team um, this winter, she's helped lead our work to engage college and university presidents. And we've, we've done some of that work directly, um, Andrew, with you and many of the campus compact presidents. Um, and so, you know, we formed a president's council. They launched a president's commitment. Um, and that's a commitment to full student voter participation where they have set the goal of ensuring that all of their eligible students are registered um, and obviously hopefully casting ballots, but really understanding that part of their um, locus of control is ensuring that all the students who are eligible get the information about how to register. Um, you know, certainly we're not forcing anyone to vote, although we're hoping that they will choose to exercise that, um, that right and responsibility. Um, we've also been doing a lot of work um, in kind of the college athletics space. So we have a coaches pledge and a toolkit, which we call a playbook, um, have been working with the National Association of Basketball Coaches and certainly have continued our work with um, faculty and staff who are, are the front lines and who more so than ever, faculty are some of the only folks that all of our students are ever encountering, particularly as we've gone more highly um, digital and in, in Zoom calls and things like that for courses. And so really thinking about ways that faculty can talk about this work in their syllabi or do other things like that. And so, you know, I think, um, I think the other piece that has changed in terms of how we're approaching it is we've always, you know, been kind of a, a small national office working with um, folks, actors on all of the campuses doing this work and kind of helping connect them along alongside a lot of other um, folks that we work with in the Students Learn, Students Vote Coalition space. Um, but now we are realizing how much more important kind of that digital um, aspect is. And so um, we were already doing some planning, um, even as early as, as January, talking about launching, relaunching allindevote.org, um, which is a tool, and Stephanie will talk a little bit more about that. Um, 
but I think it became kind of a renewed interest and really thinking about how we pivot a lot of our work um, to help folks be able to message over social media and, and other kind of digital ways that they can reach all students has been a really kind of clear piece of that. Um, I think one of the places we've seen a ton of growth in though is um, an increased interest in these different from these different pockets. So in some of the athletic conferences stepping forward and saying they want to work with us, not just with um, the folks on campuses, in um, coaches and athletic directors and others stepping forward and saying, this is an important part of what our student athletes need to learn. And then being able to connect those athletic departments with the folks on the campuses we were already working with. And so seeing kind of a deepening of um, many different folks on a campus caring about this, not just kind of the usual suspects. Um, and I think that is part and parcel with a lot of the things we've said, right? Seeing kind of and feeling kind of um, a sense of loss of agency or control because of COVID, seeing um, the ways there are disparate effects because of our legacy of racism in this country have on um, different students and different groups of um, people, seeing kind of this renewed resurgence that is echoed in our broader society. We're seeing um, professional athletes um, step out and talk more about voting and about political engagement than ever before. And so I think we're seeing a lot of those things too, which give me a lot of a lot of hope, um, but we also have to move that to action and, and still help steer around the barriers um, that are very real um, and very confusing and that Stephanie, I think, did a really great job of talking about. I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think exactly the, the point you were just making, I've been, um, you know, I, I don't know if anybody has done a better job of articulating the connection between uh, racial justice and accessing voting rights than LeBron James, right? Like, I think he's, he certainly called more attention to that, that nexus than just about anybody else. And I, it has been exciting to see as you have so successfully engaged athletic departments and others who, you know, people may not have thought of in this context of building civic identity, et cetera. And, uh, and I think that that's an incredibly important contribution and um, that they have become really effective voices, professional athletes, college athletes in, in making that case. I think that's, uh, that's been really important and it, it yeah, has tremendous value for all students and anybody who cares about democracy. Stephanie, what are, if we think about, you know, the, the people on campuses who are thinking about how they can like right now make a contribution to increasing participation among the student populations they're connected to, whether they're students or faculty and staff or senior leaders at institutions, what are some of the kind of key opportunities to, to get engaged and, and move the ball forward? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. And I think, you know, hearing the conversation about the struggles that college administrators are going through and trying to prioritize voting on top of everything, there is the like, well, what can I do and what makes it an easy lift, especially as Jen mentioned, the economic strain that our college and universities are facing. And maybe a piece of advice is to find your campus LeBron James. Like, who is the civic champion on your campus that folks will listen to, that they care about, that they'll follow their lead? If you saw um, in social media recently, Jason Tatum and Shaquille O'Neal did their My Starting Five and tagging five colleagues, friends, businesses to encourage them to register to vote. Like, could you start a campaign where the president challenges five people to say, I'm going to register to vote and I'm asking my president's cabinet to register to vote and then them telling their teams to register to vote and so forth. I think the other piece is Jen also mentioned that we launched the All In To Vote 
civictechnology.org tool is we know civic technology is needed and necessary right now. Um, and there's great partners out there that do that. So Democracy Works Turbo Vote Platform, the Rock the Vote Platform, Vote.org Platform. If your campus has one, use it, plug into it, make sure you spread the word as best as possible so folks know how to register to vote and understand their choice in registering to vote. Um, the All In To Vote tool also helps folks to you make that plan to vote. So we know based on the data that Jen mentioned early on from our colleagues at IDHE that it's not registering to vote that's the problem on college campuses. The majority of college campuses can reach a 70 to 90% registration rate. It's that huge dropout when it comes to turnout. And sometimes that turnout barrier is, well, I'm a community college student that has a family at home, that I work two part-time jobs, that I have classes in the day. And now how am I supposed to make it to the polls between eight and eight when that's just not my day, not my reality. And so for us to find ways to encourage them to understand early voting processes, vote by mail processes, if they have to vote in person on election day, like how do you make that plan? Do you know where your precinct is? Do you know what materials you need to take with you? Do you understand your rights when you're standing in line? Like if you're in line by 8 p.m., no one should make you leave. Hopefully you're not there for more than five to 10 minutes. That's not always the case. But how do we ensure that folks know they can stay and that they know what election protection is? So I guess in backing up and it's like, what's the five things people can do today? One, register to vote. Two, check your registration and recheck your registration. If anything changes and you're no longer where you thought you would be on election day, make sure you make that contingency plan. If I thought I'd be on campus and now I'm going to be working or learning virtually, re-register to vote. Or if you're still planning to use your campus address, number three, understand the vote by mail process or absentee voting process so you can get your application in and receive your ballot on time. And then I think number four, learn about the candidates. Don't vote party on naiveness. Don't say I'm always a Democrat or I always vote Democratic or I'm always a Republican. Learn who you're voting for and that it's not just the presidents that are on the, the ballot each November. So you're going to have sheriffs on the ballot. You're going to have probate officers. You're going to have school board election officials. Like making sure you know what they do and who they are. And then lastly, shout it from the rooftops. Encourage your friends, family, neighbors, everyone you know to register to vote. We understand from the data that that vote tripling, if I tell my friends, Jen and Andrew, like, hey, you should register to vote, that peer-to-peer -peer interaction generates more voting conversation and more voting turnout. So the more we can, you know, tag our starting fives and get folks to register to vote, the more that it's likely that those folks that register will turn out to vote. So those are the five things that I would say, you know, for folks to do. If we at All In can help individuals continue to do that work, please do so. If I add on a sixth thing, I would champion, you know, the campaign that Campus Compact is doing with recruiting poll workers. If you're able to be a poll worker, we know there's a national shortage coming up this fall. There's a great opportunity and you all are recruiting students to then recruit students. So I hope folks will tap into that um, momentum there and let us know how we and other partners within the SLC coalition can be helpful. We want people to register to vote. We're nonpartisan, so we're not telling you who to vote for. We're just hoping that you will register to vote and make sure that you're informed when you do so. Yeah, and I think that's a great point about kind of your existence as a resource for campuses. You know, I, I imagine things will be happening this fall that might just confuse people and, and make them wonder what's the best way to respond to this. And so what are, what are some great ways to reach out to you if campuses are really just like, hey, how should we advise students under these conditions? So folks can reach us. Um, our email that will reach the entire team is allinchallenge at civicnation.org. Um, 
They can also reach Jen at J-E-N at civicnation.org or Stephanie at Stephanie at civicnation.org. Um, you know, we're at All and Devote on um, different social media platforms, have been sharing lots of resources and tools, reminding folks of voter registration deadlines in each of the states and, and other um, other pieces of really important information. Um, you know, Andrew, the couple, Stephanie did an amazing job. The couple of things I would um, I would just mention is, you know, when we built the allandevote.org um, site, and it's it just so folks are know this, it's powered by um, vote.org and ballot ready. Um, so we are using their civic engine. So that's where you're going to be able to make the plan, find your precinct, see what's on your ballot. Um, those two tools won't come online until um, sometime in October, since um, who's on the ballot won't be finalized in many places until then. And precincts right now are still being determined. Um, we really are, as Stephanie said, pushing folks to get the message out about voting early, either on early vote dates or um, by mail and requesting absentee ballots. Um, also really encouraging folks to do that as early as possible. Don't wait. Um, you know, they're concerned because this will be an unprecedented number of paper ballots going in by mail. And so the post office has said, get them in as early as you can, request them early, turn them back early. And also, frankly, like I won't even be putting mine back in the mail. I'll be going and hand delivering it into one of the um, voting kind of boxes that Maryland provides at different precincts. And so, I'll, you know, I'll be able to do that and hopefully put a little less pressure on the, um, on the mail system. And I promise to mail some letters and stuff later. Um, but I think, you know, I think it's those messages. And I think for folks from campuses who are listening to this, thinking about where you can continue to get this message out. So sharing it um, in your syllabi, um, sharing it, sharing some basic information in like three slides at the beginning of a class if you're a faculty member, thinking about what social media channels um, exist on your campus that could be sharing some of the same pieces, whether it's different colleges and athletics and different student groups and SGA and the main campus site. Um, and don't just assume that because you put a link up on a website or a link in one email that that's getting to everyone because we just know it's not, right? And so how are you having, you know, engaging in different kind of um, means to get that message out? You know, can your mascot say something? Can the president say something? Who's your, as both of you have kind of said, who's your LeBron James? But you don't just have one, right? Like there's all these other people that different people listen to. And so how are you helping to amplify that. And, you know, I do think that kind of on our social media, um, we have different pieces that folks can share. You know, tomorrow is National um, Poll Worker Recruitment Day. So I do hope folks will um, consider their ability if they're at less of a risk um, to step up in that way, because we are worried about a shortage in um, poll workers um, nationally and a, a need for, for mo more folks to step up and do that. Um, you know, and I also will just say like, we have a lot of tools up on our website, um, right? So we have the playbook for coaches. Please encourage that. If your president hasn't signed the commitment yet, um, right now we have, you know, like 700, I think we just reached 718 campuses um, while I was sitting here. Um, and so, um, you know, we would love you to check it out. Each campus that's participating has a page on our website. So you can see if they have an action plan. You can see if they've shared their unsolved data there. You can see if they've gotten awards in previous election cycles. And we're happy if you're from one of those campuses and you don't know who our primary contact is, we're happy to connect you um, with those folks. And so I, I think you know, I think making this a successful election, I think we still can see unprecedented registration and turnout numbers, but it's going to take all of us doing our part in sharing that message. And the final way I'll tell you that folks can engage, we're doing a training on Thursday. Um, I think it's from 2 to 3 p.m. on the 3rd. Um, 
for what we're calling campus couch parties. So we're going to launch our first national campus couch party the evening of national voter registration day, which is Tuesday, September 22nd. Um, we, there's an app that will ask folks to download. It will allow folks to take some scripts that we have and text them to folks in your phone already, reminding them to register, giving them some information about how they can request their ballots based on where they live. Um, it's really um, interactive and a great way to help ensure that your friends and family and peers that you have data, you know, you have contact cell phone numbers for that you can get that message out. Um, and so we really hope folks will um, join us for that and, um, and really help get that message out. That is a lot of stuff. And so I just so people know, we'll put links to the things that Jen mentioned uh, and Stephanie mentioned in the show notes. So you can, uh, I hope you were scribbling some of it down, but this way you can, you can find it in one place. And I just want to say, you know, uh, there's a lot of important work in the world, but the work of building that habit of voting among young people, especially right now when frankly, like older generations are not doing such a great job and we need younger people to be pushing the country in the directions that match up with their values and their vision. Uh, so I just appreciate so much the work you're doing. And um, I know that, yeah, you've been on a fantastic trajectory and then this is a complicated year. So we'll see how it all shakes out, but uh, it's really important work and you've done such a great job of helping people to understand this process find their way through and support students in becoming voters and becoming informed, engaged citizens more generally. So thank you for all the work you're doing and thanks for being guests on the Compact Nation podcast. Well, thank you for having us, Andrew. And thank you to you and your team of um, national directors and others who really have stepped up and been amazing at doing this work. Um, I, I realized what we didn't say is we have a lot of state level voting challenges going on and those are many of those are happening in concert with your team. Um, and are really helping get the word out there and um, amplify everything. And so we couldn't be doing it without you. And we're so grateful to you and your network and to the listeners today for all of the work they're pouring into this. All right. Well, thank you both. All right, we are back. And again, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, and learned from that conversation with Jen and Stephanie. The All In Campus Democracy Challenge has been a very welcome uh, organization to have emerged in the last half decade uh, in the space of supporting student engagement in democracy. Uh, and I know we, we've benefited a lot at Campus Compact from our work with them. And I hope that you also benefited from that conversation. So again, I want to thank you uh, for joining us today for the Compact Nation podcast. Uh, we appreciate your taking the time out to listen and, and join the conversation. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at compact.org, or you can join us on social media with the hashtag Compact Nation pod. You can always... Uh, you know, let us know what you're thinking. Send us questions, ideas for topics. We're right now building the schedule for the next season. So we would be eager to hear any ideas you have for topics, for shows. 
Again, if you uh, have not already done so, you can share out with anybody who might uh, be interested in it. The URL powerthepolls.org slash campus to help us continue to recruit poll workers to make the fall election successful and accessible to all. Uh, and again, I just want to thank you and we'll see you as the new season uh, comes forward next month. Bye-bye. Compact Nation podcast comes to you from Campus Compact's national headquarters in the Leather District of Boston, Massachusetts. Our hosts are Marisol Morales, Emily Shields, and me, Andrew Seligson. Our producer is Molly Altiorem Leeper. Music is by Andrew Savage. You can find more of his music at andrewsavage.net. As always, you can find us online at compact.org slash podcast or on social media at hashtag compactnationpod. Thanks for listening. I am the podcat.